Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come today, we come in celebration. We celebrate the victorious risen King. We come to celebrate you, Lord God, and to say thank you. And Lord, we pray as we Hear your word, we pray that your spirit and your spirit alone would teach us, speak to us, Lord. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today I've mentioned we celebrate, we celebrate a lot of things as believers in Christ. We celebrate life, love, freedom, joy, victory, celebrate peace and hope. Now you think about it, aren't all those things, things that people are seeking after right now? People are looking after. They want to know what is their purpose in life. They want to know where they can have freedom from the bondage that they have in their life. They're looking for lasting joy. They're looking for peace, especially today in the midst of so much chaos around them. They're looking for hope, something or someone to hope for that goes beyond this life even. These are all things that people are searching for. And the passage we just read today is the very reason we can celebrate all these things as believers in Christ. Now perhaps you've heard that account before. This is not your first Sunday. I won't ask you how many of you this is your first Sunday or Easter Sunday service, right? This is probably for most of you, I don't know how many Easter services you've had or you've read through this passage before. But I know there are many people today who may have either hearing this message or have heard it in, in, in times past and just asking that question of, but is it true? Right? You've heard this story. You've heard that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day. But is it really true? Can I really believe it? Is it real? Is there real power in this story? And is it even really necessary for us to even believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead? Do we need to believe in this miracle? These are all questions that are asked today, but they're nothing new. 
These questions have been asked ever since the beginning of the church, ever since Jesus did resurrect from the dead. People have wondered and asked this question. And so the Apostle Paul, even he had to answer these questions in the very early stages of the church. These questions of, did it happen? And is there a difference? What difference does it make if we believe in Jesus resurrected from the dead or not? We're going to take a look at his response in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I don't know if you have your Bibles. You can turn to it. You can read it on the screen. You can pick up a pew Bible that's in front of you. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. I'm going to stop right there. The message of the gospel of Jesus is very simple. The gospel or the good news, the message is simple, and it's this. God loves you so much that he sent his only son. He sent his son to die on the cross for your sin. He was that sacrificial lamb. He died for, to atone for all the sin that you have done and will do from this point on. But not only did he die for his sin, but he resurrected from the dead. On the third day, he resurrected. Why? To give you promise of new life. That just as he was risen to new life, you also can have new life. And that whoever believes in him as their Lord and Savior can have eternal life. Pretty simple, but pretty amazing. And if you think about it, we know we can, when people think about their life, you know, we can try to live our whole life to be good enough for God on our own. There are many people who live their life to be good enough for God on their own. But if we try to, we will always fall short if we try to do it on our own. Some of us may have, you know what it's like to try to do enough good to earn favor, right? I don't know if any of you grew up doing chores and you got an allowance. So if you did this many chores, maybe you got an allowance. I don't know, maybe some of you just got allowance anyways. I don't know, maybe your parents are just that generous. Perhaps you remember in school that if you get enough points, you will get this grade, right? So you earn as many points as possible to get an A. Or maybe you have a job that you know that if I do this many tasks and I do well on this many tasks, I can get a promotion. I could get a raise, right? We all have probably been in some kind of system of merit that if we just do enough good, then we will get this reward. So a lot of us have kind of raised with that kind of mentality. Some of you grew up in a, in a, in a home that your mentality was, if I just do enough good for my parents, I will gain their favor. 
And sometimes parents get a little suspicious, right? When they see their kid doing a lot of good things, you're like, hmm, what do they want, right? But see, a lot of times people take this mentality and they put it to God. That if I just do enough good, I can earn God's favor, right? If I just do enough good things, I can earn God's favor. But the issue is not simply whether we can do enough good, but also will we ever be good enough for God? Not just can I do enough good things, but can I be good enough for God? Can I be kind enough for God? Can I be loving enough for God? Can I be a good enough person for God? Can I be faithful enough for God? So a lot of people have this burden in their life that am I a good enough person to earn God's favor? Well, the answer to both of those questions is no. We can't. We can't be good enough for God on our own and we can't do enough good things for God on our own. I hate to dampen your, your kind of mood, right? If you're sitting there, you're like, oh, well, that's not a cheery Sunday morning message. Just wait. Here's the good news. We can never be, but the gospel says Jesus did enough good for you and I. What he did on the cross and his resurrection from the dead was the good enough for you and I. Jesus was good enough, righteous enough to cover our inadequacies. Where we could not, where we would fail God, Jesus says, I am good enough. I will do it for you. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if you had that in school? For those of you who are in school, wouldn't that be great if someone be able came along and said, you know what, look, look, listen, listen, listen. Yeah, you're going to fall short in getting this A. Let me give you the points for you. How many would say, nah, I want to earn my C? You're like, okay. If someone came into your work and said, you know what, let me do your work for you and give you your promotion. Not a bad deal. And here Jesus, the gospel, is simply saying, I am good enough. What I did on the cross for you is enough. And that's the gospel of Christ. Yet still the question remains in people's minds, how do we know Jesus truly resurrected from the dead? What you're saying sounds good, but how do we know this is true? Paul continues in verse 5. He says, And that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. And after he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, they passed away, they died. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, as, if, as it were to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. See, the claims of Jesus' resurrection wasn't based on any unsubstantiated reports. 
It was not based on a single person who claims they had some kind of miraculous experience with an angel with no witnesses around them. That's not what happened. They're not claiming he lives while his body remains entombed. They didn't say, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, that thing in the tomb. Yeah, that's just a shell. That's not what happened. Jesus didn't just appear to the women to say, oh, go, you go tell them. Jesus didn't just appear to the 12, or I'm sorry, the 11 disciples. Paul's saying he appeared to more than 500 brethren just at one time alone. And on top of that, most of them, in the time of Paul's writing, he says, most of them are still alive. In other words, Jesus' resurrection happened within that generation of the early believers. They didn't just claim something happened and then said, well, yeah, that that body, yeah, that's, that's just not real evidence. There was no body. There was no dead body. He said, well, where's the witnesses? The witnesses, they were there. They were alive. They saw him. They heard him. They touched him. Then the question may fall, well, how do we know they're telling the truth? What would they gain by lying? Right? What would they gain by lying? They saw what the religious leaders led Jesus to do. They saw what they did to Jesus. They crucified him, an excruciating, humiliating death. Why would they make up a lie? Literally risk their life. Would you risk your life for something you knew was not true and gave you no benefit whatsoever if it was a lie? There was no reason to forsake their own beliefs. These were believers in God. Why risk that for something that was not true, that they did not experience, they did not see with their eyes, they did not touch with their own hands? What would Apostle Paul gain by forsaking everything that he invested his life for, he studied for? Why would he risk all of that for a lie. Paul had nothing to gain to fabricate a miraculous story. He goes on in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles who am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Paul saying, by the grace of God, Paul preaches the resurrection of Christ. Because he was a persecutor of the church. He was imprisoning those who believed in Jesus. Yet he went from persecutor of the church to a martyr of the church. He encountered Jesus. The one that he was persecuting his followers for. He says, you know what? I'm committing my life to serve him. He even had the, the boldness to say, I labored more, even more than even the 11 disciples. In other words, there's no one who can match what I'm doing for the Lord. This is how much it mattered to Paul. And for many today, they'll say, well, does this really matter? Does it really matter if I believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead? 
Can't I just believe that he existed? That he was just a good teacher? He had a lot of good things to say. He did a lot of good social work. Is that enough to believe? Is that enough? You see, many people claim to be Christians, but really what they believe, they just are picking and choosing what verses, what quotes, what things they've heard to believe. Some good moral teaching and say, well, that's just enough. I'll just listen to the good teachings, the things that encourages me and makes me feel good, makes me feel like a better person. Do I really need to believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead? And Paul's answer to that is don't be foolish. Look what he says in verse 9. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. See, Paul makes it very clear. If there is no resurrection of the dead, if there is no hope beyond our physical life here on earth, then Christ did not raise from the dead. And if Christ did not raise from the dead, our faith is vain. It's worthless. It's worthless. Whatever kinds of good teaching you think Jesus may have said, if there was no resurrection, he was not a good teacher. All right? If Jesus did not truly resurrect from the dead, he was not a good teacher. He was a charlatan. He was a fake. He was a phony if he did not raise from the dead. And he led all the people to believe that he was the Savior and the Messiah and the Lord. And if he remained dead, the Christian faith is pointless. Why are we sitting here? Why are we doing this? If Christ did not raise from the dead. Verse 15, moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witnessed against God that he raised, or we We witness against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all men most to be pitied. Now don't you turn to somebody sitting next to you. And say to them, you are pitiful. You're you're, you're a very kind group. I didn't see a whole lot of pleasure in turning to somebody and saying, you are pitiful. I was expecting to see some people just to turn around and say, downright, you are pitiful. I've been waiting a long time to say this, but I didn't have the right occasion. I want you to turn to those people that you turn to and say, just kidding. Let's be clear. If Jesus did not resurrect us Christians, we are the most pitiful people. That is how meaningful this is. 
This is how central it is. There is no just believing Jesus was a good man, a good teacher. If there was no resurrection, then what are we doing here? He says, not only would our faith be in vain, but Paul is saying, we are false witnesses of God. He's saying, us apostles, us teachers, us evangelists for the gospel, if Jesus did not resurrect, then we are false witnesses against God, and we are sinning against God. The early believers understood exactly what they were believing. They understood the magnitude and the ramifications of their belief that Jesus resurrected from the dead, because if that was a lie, then they'd be blasphemous, heretics. The Christian faith would be worthless without the resurrection. But without the gospel, Paul reminds us, without the gospel of Christ, we still remain in our sins. If you can't believe Jesus resurrected from the dead, then we are still guilty of our sin, the life that we live. But praise God, the truth of the gospel. He says, verse 20, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming... Then comes the end, when he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. Verse 25, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. So what does the gospel mean to us? What is the power of the gospel? And the power of the gospel is, is a resurrection power. If you cannot believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it was a miracle, it would take a miracle, then I'm going to tell you, you do not understand the God of the Bible. You do not understand that God created life and this universe we live in. Think about it. If God only did what you can conceive as possible, You know what that would make God? Man. Right? If God could only do what we can conceive as possible, what makes him any different from us? The thing is, God works in the miraculous. That's what makes him God. Right? If if our concept of God is so small that, well, God can, you know, to resurrect, that just seems too outlandish, too crazy. I can't conceive it then you know what? Your your image of God is way too small. God created to bring life. The power of the gospel is found in the resurrecting power of Jesus that he defeated death so that he can give you life so that you're not dead in your sin. But you can have eternal life. And as Jesus resurrected, he says, I give you new life. For those of you who will believe in my name, believe in what I have done for you. If you will receive what I have given you, what I've done for you, you can have eternal life. 
You no longer have to live your life wondering with that burden, can I do enough good for God? Can I be a good enough person for God? Today is the celebration of the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is hope. The cross and the empty tube offers you hope. A hope beyond this life. A hope that's lasting. A hope that's firm. That there's something more than just the life we live here. The gospel is restoration. It's healing. God wants to restore relationship with you. That you can know him as your heavenly father. Restore relationship with you that you can receive forgiveness. You don't have to carry the burden of all the things you've done in your past. All the things that you're probably going to do later today or tomorrow. All those things that's going to fall short of God's righteousness. He says, I want to give you forgiveness of all those things. You don't have to bear the burden of the guilt of sin. The gospel of Jesus is life. That you can live a new life now and you can have the hope of an eternal life to come. A life that goes beyond this, this flesh and blood that we have. Praise God, we're going to have a new body someday. We don't have to have the sickness. We don't have to face death anymore. We don't have to fear death anymore. Because we know there's hope on the other side a far greater life. And the gospel of Jesus is love. God loves you. That's the price, the extent of his love for you, that he'll forgive you. Now, I don't know about you and your relationships that you've had. If you've ever been in a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, How many times would you say you would tolerate unfaithfulness? Once. How much would you tolerate unkindness? Daily. (laughs) If someone, if our loved one was unfaithful to us once, oh, that would be really hard to stay with them, wouldn't it? It would take a whole lot of love. No pun intended with the song, if you know that. It'd take a whole lot of forgiveness. But God's love extends to us beyond all that we've done. Jesus came in humility. He came to the earth on the cross. He died a humiliating death. But Jesus remains the glorious king. We remembered Friday night he was on the cross. But he's not on the cross any longer. He's on the throne. To choose Jesus now in this life is to choose Jesus for eternity. To to choose to reject Jesus in this life is to reject Jesus for eternity. We got to understand that. But to serve Jesus in this life is to be blessed and glorified in eternity. And I want to end with this. Ultimately, your decision to believe does not take away from his reality. 
I'll say that again. Your decision to believe does not take away or to not believe does not take away from his reality. And we can neither create God nor believe him out of existence. Some of you, or you can turn, off, turn this off, and you can say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe that he resurrected from the dead. Just because you choose to believe does not make that true. You're still faced with that question. We can, never, we, we can neither create God nor believe him out of existence. But I say to you, praise God, our faith is not in vain. I don't know about you, but I'm not here because I want to believe in a lie, right? I'm a kind of guy, I want to hear the truth, I want to know the truth, and that's what I'm going to believe in. I don't want to masquerade, I'm not going to tell you anything that I don't believe myself. I don't think any of you want to do that. Believe in a lie, believe in a hope that's not true. But praise God that there is resurrection power in the name of Jesus. And that he gives you life and hope and peace and freedom and lasting joy that not only in this life, but in beyond to all eternity. Praise God. That is something worth celebrating. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we are living in times that is causing us to question many, many things. And this is, these are questions that have lasted ever since you came and you resurrected. Is Jesus real? Did he really die? Does it really matter that I believe that Jesus died for my sin? Will it really change my life? And Lord, I want to pray for anyone who is asking these questions for themselves. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would bring truth into their minds and into their hearts. That they will be able to confess, Jesus, I believe that you love me so much. That you want to forgive me of all my sin. That you died on the cross for my sin. And that you resurrected to new life so that I can have new life. I may not be good enough. I may not be able to do enough good for you. But Jesus, you are good enough for me. And you've done enough good for me. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they may say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. I want to follow you. May those words of truth resonate in their hearts and minds that we may celebrate this glorious day together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's pray, or let's worship.